gentlemen, welcome back to a whole new episode of Full Seam Ahead. I'm your host, Zoe, with my partner in crime on the other side, how Mr. Cantu. What's up, what's up? How we doing? We're good. Just sitting here, December 1st. I mean, not December 1st. It's December already, you know. It is December. Nice. It is December, as you can see right here. Got to get into the holiday spirit as we got the Corpus Christi Christmas theme hat going. And then we got something new at the bottom. We got a ticker. Oh, man. We got something going. Instead of me repeating of where you can follow us, hey, right there, bam. You can just pause it, um, screenshot it real quick, and you can find us and all these platforms from social media to the podcast world. You can see us right there uh, wherever you get them. But it is December 6th on this lovely Wednesday, episode 146. We're going to title it Astros Post Winter Meetings because the Astros were active this past week. In the winter meetings in Nashville, Tennessee. Wow, I'd love to be in Nashville if I had the chance, right? <laughs> but um, but yeah, well, I mean, we're gonna talk about that. Uh, Astros roundup post winter meeting grades. I mean, we got to give a grade, especially how the Astros did. Uh, Astros got their backup catcher. Astros trade for a relief pitcher. A little bit of Dana Brown talk, which is very interesting. He was available to the media and hear what he had to say. And then what's the stove cooking in the offseason? Because it is boiling hot. There is a player out there that will be going to another team. So we'll have to see about that. But first, Angel, our, how we're going to start off with Astros Roundup, we're going to start it off with the post-winter meeting grades. We're going to give a grade for the Astros, what they did this winter meetings. Obviously, the priorities when they're going there, they needed a backup catcher and a relief pitcher. Well, they did that. They checked box on a backup catcher getting Victor Caratini. Two years, 12 million, six AAV each year, which is not bad. And then a relief pitcher by the name of Dylan Coleman, grabbing him, that right-handed pitcher from the Kansas City Royals for a prospect in the Astros farm system. Not a high or mid, but just somebody that's barely playing a rookie ball. Angel, Chandler Rome has said this. Before I get your grade, he had said this on the recap of the baseball winter meetings on The Athletic. He said, quote, Brown will leave Nashville on Thursday morning with a more complete roster. But his work does not appear done. It is not done, apparently. My question to you is, obviously, what does the Astros get? What kind of grade for this 2023 winter meetings? I would say a B because they did fill two voids that they had. Um what they need to come into the season, which is a backup catcher and relief pitching. Uh, they're losing three guys. Uh, Mayton already signed or is, is about to sign somewhere. There is looking for a big contract guy. And if, and if we, and if we can get Dylan Coleman to produce, kind of get, bring in that Hector Neris role where he was kind of like, you know, inconsistent and then get this consistent high level guy, that'll be amazing for them. But I give him a B because I like, it will be nice if the Astros were, like, in talks with, like, Juan Soto or Otani or even Yamamoto, <laughs> right? But, you know, there's there's a lot to be oh. done still. There's still a lot of holes to fix. But, you know, they're off to a good start. And they should leave, like, in, like well, they should be in a good position after these winter meetings. Just imagine if the Astros were able to get Juan Soto – or Shohei Otani, or even Yamamoto, which is another hot name out there for the starting pitching. This team would just be even more dangerous than it was. They were just one win away from the World Series, going to the World Series last year. So World Series confirmed. Right. So, um, 
but yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go with a B minus actually. Um, and I, I, they did address their needs, but I feel like they just needed one more relief pitcher, I think, in this, uh, in the winter meetings. If they would have, and I, I feel very firm about this guy, if they get Jordan Hicks, a guy that is a Houstonian, he went to Side Creek High School, he was drafted by the Cardinals. If they could get him, and then all like obviously you have Dylan Coleman who throws pretty damn hard, uh, high fastball velocity with a lot of electric stuff, then I think you get a B plus or A minus in my grade in my you know in my thought. But I give them a B minus because they did address what their needs. I think um, Victor Caratini is going to be a good switch hitting backup option for the Astros. Uh, he gives you that versatile too if you need a right-handed or left-handed hitter at the plate. Depending on what matchups, you can even play, uh, use him at first base for some games. Even though he did play one game at first base, maybe potentially having him and Yiner kind of get some defensive, you know, do some defensive drills out there at first with Jose Bray because the Astros don't have a, you know, so-called backup first baseman right now. So if you look at them two guys to be able to replace that, you never know what could happen. So I, I think a B minus, I would have to say, um, you know, for the Astros winter meetings. But we, of course, we have to ask the audience, what do they think? What do y'all think? And sure enough, I mean, we, we went to X and we had asked, I mean, what do you, what do you have to give these guys? If you're going to give them a grade, are we giving them an A? Are we going to give them a B? Are we going to give them a C? Maybe an F. So let's real quick, let's go to the Twitter options or X, if you like to call it. Not now, Alex. He put C plus B minus. So he's in the B minus range with me. He said they got their catcher and a and got a high return filler and a reliever. But I would like them to get an established reliever like Hicks at least. Completely agree, Alex. I completely agree. G Watt, C plus, just not enough being done here to shore up the gaps. Uh, we had some D minuses. We have some Fs. But majority of the audience was a C plus. Uh, Southeast Texas EAS, C plus should have been more active in the meetings, not going to lie. We have our first A+. plus. Oh, my God. Hunter Brown, RBW. A+, plus. they got the best backup catcher on the market for a good price and acquired a reliever with good upside. And like I said, we had a bunch of angel. Altuve, 300-300 watch. Well, loving a Rosa Reina-type talent, but wasn't expecting it. I think all Astros fans weren't expecting that. If they did, maybe, my gosh, I think everybody would just be going crazy. But he also said, if Coleman can't produce a thing at the 2022 level, it'll be a huge deal. Completely agree. Like somebody had said too, I believe it was Alex, uh, with the reliever that has some great upside. If Coleman has that potential to be a Naris, because you remember, Angel, they signed Naris to two years for his contract after the Phillies, and he was a closer with the Phillies, and he wasn't that really great reliever. I believe he was pitching a three ERA with them. If they could find a way to get Coleman to pitch into the two ERAs, a great FIP as well, then the Astros knocked it out of the park at the winter meetings, and they just basically replaced Naris with, I would say, a younger cat in Coleman because Coleman's only 27 years old. So potentially have some great upside, but we'll just have to see when spring training rolls around in March. Well, really in February, pitchers and catchers. Uh, retreat, not retreat. Well, yeah, retreat to uh, spring training. So, I have to say about that. Oh, 
Yeah, so Astros got their backup catcher. Like we said, Chandler Rome had it first, of course. He had to, he had said the Astros are in agreement with free agent catcher Victor Caratini. Mark Feinstein had the contract details. He said Caratini's deal with the Astros is for two years, $12 million. I think that's a great price for a guy like that. He was one of the younger catchers in the free agent market. He has some upside as well. So real quick, let's go with the stats. Yeah, 259 batting average with a 327 on-base percentage, and a 383 slugging percentage. Had a 711 OPS. He had a 296 back pip, back pip, bat bip, 312 Woba, 94 WRC+. If you look at his stats, because like I said, the guy is a switch hitter. He's more right-handed. He loves to hit right, right-handed. Uh, as a lefty, he had 250 with no home runs, three RBIs. Right-handed, he was 262. Seven home runs, 22 RBIs. But the Astros really didn't get him for his offensive performance. It was the catching. It was behind the plate, being defensively. Uh, Six catching framing runs. He was eighth in MLB for that, 89th percentile in framing as well. However, he does struggle on throwing runners out. And, of course, his pop time isn't the best. It is at a 2.06. So... It'd be interesting to see if he could kind of improve on that. I do like the framing because that's been one weak spot that the Astros have been kind of not doing so well from Maldonado even to Diaz. They both were in the negatives in that category and bringing a guy like Caratini that can help these pitchers with the framing and getting some pitches, I think that's a plus. So, Angel, what do you think of Mr. Caratini joining the Astros ball club? You know what? You take the words right out of my mouth. That's what I was exactly going to say, where this catching group can work as a collective. You were saying that Victor Cantini's pop time and, you know, wasn't so great. Well, guess who has a good pop time? Yanni Diaz does. You're saying that Cantini has um, a great framing skills. That's what uh, Yanni Diaz, uh, you know, needs to work on. So I feel like they're going to be in, in the video room catching room, whatever you would like to call it for a long time. And they can, you know, he's Puerto Rican too. So, mm-hmm. you know, they have that Latino, uh, you know, presence. Pre- yeah. There you go. Presence. They, you know, so they can help each other out. I like it now. Yeah. He had like his office production isn't as well. Well, he didn't really get enough opportunities as well. And again, helping each other out. So can, uh, you did provide some tips as well to him. And when you have guys with, like, like when you have in the clubhouse, Jordan Alvarez, Jose Altuve, just a commercial Dubon. I'm sure Cartina can pick the brains too on, you know, how to get better offensively as well. Yeah. So real quick, let's look at the stat head of baseball. Obviously, this is for baseball reference, and a lot of people are like, "Oh yeah, high five, claps all around." Martin Maldonado is gone off the Astros, you know, roster. He won't be brought back to the Astros organization. You know, honestly, if you look at the hitting performance, and like you were saying too, Caratini didn't have a lot of at-bats. Look, look at the games between these two guys. 116 games Maldi had caught. Caratini only had 62. Now look at the hits. Maldi had 69 hits, and Caratini had 52. Out of 62 games, he had 52 hits. That is pretty impressive. Yeah. And then obviously the home run and RBI production, uh, 25 RBIs compared to Maldonado's 36. Like I said, 62 games compared to 116. That's all, what that's half of the games that Maldi that half the games Caratini had caught. 
Yeah. Because obviously, too, Wilson Contreras, not Wilson, uh, William yeah. Contreras, yeah, was the catcher over there in Milwaukee. Um, and then the batting average, you could tell, on base percentage, slugging, OPS plus. So I think the guys, like I said, you brought Caratini for his defensive approach, but don't look back on the offensive production he has done in the past. He looked like he's done pretty good, 0.7 war compared to Maldi's 0.2 war. Um, yeah, I think this is a great sign from Mr. Dana Brown. This is his first winter meetings as the Astros GM. And I think he knocked it out of the park getting a guy like Caratini at the winter meetings. Absolutely. I agree. So, and then, of course, real quick, we got we got to shout out Martin Maldonado. We have to because he was with the Astros since 2018. 2018. That's six years. Six ALCS appearances, three World Series appearances, 22. 2022 World Series champion. If you remember, um, without that Alvarez home run, Maldonado was the one that set the tone, I believe. Well, yeah, he did because he leaned into that pitch on Zach Wheeler. And then obviously, uh, Alvatube got into a fielder's choice. Pena got the single, runners on first and third. You got uh, Alvarez to come, and you know what happened from there. So, anyway, back to it. Caught two immaculate innings in one game. Caught three no-hitters, two regular ones, and a one combined no-hitter. Well, actually, no, it was two combined no-hitters, mm-hmm. one regular no-hitter. There you go. So, Maldonado, you know, a round of applause for you for what you've done for the city of Houston on and off the field. Uh, one of the best catchers in the Astros era, I would say. One of the best, I would say, for the pitchers, too. Pitchers look to Maldi. That's why JV came to Houston was because of Martin Maldonado. So it's going to be interesting to see what spring training comes around, how these pitchers and catchers are going to work together with a young-headed cat like Mr. Yiner Diaz and a veteran guy like Caratini, which he's still young, but you won't have Martin Maldonado's presence in a Nationals uniform. I have a a question, and it's just a thought. You think as much as a presence Martin Maldonado had in this Astros organization, you think when it's all said and over for Martin Maldonado, you think he'll be like – a Yadier Molina who came back with the Cardinals organization as a like to help with the Latin American uh, players develop and so they, like you think Mar- do you see Martin Monado in a role like that for for the actual organization or maybe just any organization? I do. I do see him coaching after after everything's said and done. Obviously, he is getting up in age. I wouldn't be surprised if he has like about three more years, two three more years of baseball left because there are still teams interested in him. Rafael Devers from the Red Sox had posted a picture on his Instagram with him and Maldi at the plate. So, I mean, they're trying to recruit him. But to answer your question, I do think he is going to be in some type of coaching role. I would, you know, it'd be good to put him, put him back with the Astros because the dude is a workhorse. He does his homework. He looks at the scouting report. He does all of them things. Yes, his offensive production wasn't good. Yes, he did, you know, have a lot of balls passed by him. But the brain that he brings to the Astros organization, I think it's going to be beneficial for him and for the team moving forward. Absolutely. So, yes, salute to you, Maldi, for everything you've done. Like I said, I think both of us can say he has been one of the best catchers in Astros franchise history and a pivotal part of the golden era of Astros baseball. So, shout out to Maldi as we do our shout outs in the regular season. But moving on to the relief pitching market and Astros trade for a relief pitcher. I 
it was going to be interesting if they're going to sign. Uh, Dana Brown had even said he didn't want to overpay for an arm. And sure enough, he didn't. He went to go get somebody at Kansas City. Per Ann Rogers, the Royals are trading right-handed pitcher Dylan Coleman to the Astros. Sources tell me and Jonathan Mayo. Kansas City acquiring right-handed pitcher Carlos Mateo. Mateo was in the rookie ball of the Astros farm system. So I don't see nothing too pivotal, too big. I think it was an even trade. I think the Astros honestly got the better of it. We'll have to see. But in nice six games in the three past seasons with the Royals, he has a career of a 388 ERA, 137 whip. Coleman last year in 23, I mean, the numbers aren't pretty. 0-2 record, 884 ERA. He allowed 18 hits, 18 earned runs. He did have a high walk rate with 23 walks in 23 games. He's got a three-pitch arsenal. He has a four-seam fastball that averages about 95 miles per hour. you got the sweeper averaging about 81. And then, of course, the cutter being 90 miles per hour. So, Angel, I mean... I think the Astros did a great job doing this. They didn't go sign a big name like everybody would like to see because the baseball winter meetings are for those, you know, for the big names, for the big guys on the market. You know, obviously the Astros fans saw Garrett Cole get off the market with the Yankees. Uh, Juan Soto right now is it looking like he's going to be finalizing a trade to the Yankees. And you saw the Aaron Judge hype. And, of course, you still got Shohei Otani. Astros didn't do none of that. They said, you know what, we're going to go low bargain shop. Let's see what's available on the market. Let's see. Let's contact these GMs from other teams. And sure enough, they got a guy like Coleman, which I think he has some pretty damn good upside uh, from all the videos looking at his stuff from, you know, the slider, the sweeper, the cutter, uh, obviously the velocity on the fastball. I I think this guy is going to be something special if the Astros pitching department works with him, and especially with the analytics that the Astros have. I think there's a good match in heaven. Well, not even match in heaven, but. Great match overall. Yeah. I think he brings a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of good things. Like his fastball below is 95%, like you're seeing on the thing. And a big, big arm. And no surprise to me is that 86% whiff rate. So he has great stuff that's causing a lot of, like, that movement on his off-speed and fastball. It just really gets the players thinking of what's coming next. Yeah, I mean, look at this. I mean, Fastball velo, 97.6, 95th percentile. And remember, when we talk about the percentiles on baseball, Savant, the the greater number is the best number. It's a great. Obviously, you see it on the picture right there. But if you're new to this, this is what we're explaining. Uh, average exit velocity, 86.4, 90 percentile. Like you're saying, the whip percentage, 86. 64 strikeout rate, that's not bad. It's about MLB average. But the guy has potential. The guy has some upside in this. The ERA could get better. It's an average. The only thing that you're concerning, like we were talking about, is the walk rate. Yeah. He's three. That is poor. Three percentile, and that is poor. 12.8% of the walk rate. I think that's going to be a number one priority when they go to spring training is to control his pitches, have a better you know, pitch accuracy and all that. Chase rate, too. We got to find – and it's interesting because the width percentage, he has an 86, but the chase rate, it's a 22. It's not the best. It's not great. So – I think this is a good potential guide that could have some great, great, great advantages for the Astros in that bullpen. Like we were talking about, if they do go sign another reliever and this guy turns it around, I think it's great. I think it's great for the Astros what they did this past winter meetings. Absolutely. But 
moving on to the man of the hour, and that is Mr. Dana Brown, the Astros GM. Like I had mentioned, this is Dana Brown's first time being the Astros general manager at the baseball winter meetings last year. Do you remember who was the GM? I'm sorry, what was your question? I said, do you remember who was the GM last year for the Astros? Oh, going I, into the winter meetings? Oh, yeah, it was, it was supposed to be like Jeff Bagwell and some a crew of other two, three people. Bill Ferkus and another guy, I can't have the name at the top of my head, but them guys, assistant GMs, uh, I believe you said Jeff Bagwell too. I believe he was out there as well. So this time, the Astros do have a GM, and his name is Dana Brown. And he, like you were saying, he had some different topics to Yiner Diaz, to Alex Bregman, to Jake Myers. What are we going to, you know, what are we going to see coming into the 2024 season? And this is what he has to say, I and mean, then per Brian McTaggart, great guy out there he said the team is committed to jake myers so much so he'll get a bulk of time in center field to start the season and of course to Chandler rome uh joe Espada said myers and chas mccormick will get chances in spring training to play Espada also said dubon is the best serve as a team super utility guy but he'll get some run in center field too angel what are we doing chas mccormick i belong i you know i thought i believe he was going to be the everyday guy. Nothing against Jake Myers. Great defender. You know, I, I love Jake Myers. But at the same time, too, you got a guy like Chas McCormick who had a great year in 2023. The guy put up career numbers in OPS, on base percentage, uh, batting average, home runs. I mean, the pop was there. Contact. Discipline was all right. And then, I mean, even, too, on the defensive side, he did a great job. And then you're bringing... You know, you're saying that Jake Myers is going to be the guy to compete in Stanford with McCormick. I mean, what are we doing here? You know, what what do you think the Astros' logic and their thought process is going into the new year and having them too? What's a stacked? Uh, it's stacked that center field for sure. But I don't know. Maybe it's just to build some competition. You know, uh, so players won't get complacent at center field. Yeah, uh, Charles McCormick improved a lot. He was able to hit the slide a lot better. Didn't miss a fastball either, and I agree with you. I think he deserved, you know, that spot. And I don't know. Yes, I say Jake Myers has a lot more range to Chas McCormick, but I think McCormick can hold his own in center field as well. Like he has, like he can read the ball pretty well. So, like, I don't see why, you know, like I feel like. Like Jay Myers has an advantage by a step or two on Chas McCormick, like, but I, but I still believe McCormick's a good defender. But it could be like you know making some competition or even trying to get a little bit more for Jake Myers because I feel like if the team just completely gives up on you, you're at a disadvantage trying to trade him. I was like, well, you're trying to get rid of him, you know, I'm gonna give you this guy. But if like if they see that you know you're all in for this guy, then they might want to think, well, they see something in him. You know, maybe trade talks go differently as well. So I don't know. Uh, that, that's just my piece of the view. Yeah, I, I mean, I do see something different though. And like I said, I, I <laughs> Dana Brown's sneaky. He is very sneaky. He could be using like he could be saying that he's going to stay in Houston, but maybe, just maybe, just maybe, he can be saying this to other, you know, to the to the public and saying he's not available, but he couldn't be. Because obviously the Astros have some offers for Jay Myers. Yeah. I do see them making a trade, and I do see Myers being the guy, the odd man out. Because, I mean, you saw last year, Mauricio Dubon had a great, you know, he did great in center field. He played center field, you know, kind of 
half of the times in the playoffs for the Astros. If you go with a Dubon, uh, McCormick aspect in center field, and then plus, I mean, you still got Corey Jokes that he could play the outfield as well. I wouldn't be opposed to seeing that instead of Jake Meyer staying in center field when you have a guy that has a nine plus OPS on the bench. Yeah. So maybe, just maybe. And it could also be like, yeah, like as a general manager, like you don't want to reveal your full hand, right? So I'm sure Mm -hmm. he has something up his head, like you're saying. But it could also be like, you know, how I mean, it's the analogy of like siblings, right? Like, you know, Mm -hmm. when like, for example, you have this thing, nobody wants, like, you don't want it, so nobody wants it. But then all of a sudden, you, you, like you want it and then everybody else wants it. So maybe, you know, trying to like, uh, ele- shift, baby. yeah, there you go. Elevate the, the, what a trade package for Jake Myers as well. So uh, I could see that happening. I could. And then of course you remember the managerial search. He didn't name any names out there. He didn't know. And I, the whole time it was Joe Spotter. So that's what I'm saying. He's very sneaky with it, but you know, who's not on the trade market anymore. That is Mr. Alex Bregman. Oh, yeah. A lot of reports out there, rumors, everything like that had said, and we even, you know, even talked about on our last episode, if Alex Bregman was on the move. Well, Dana Brown answered those questions at the winter meetings, and this is what he had to say. He's like, as I said before, Alex Bregman has had a great year, obviously, career in Houston. We're not interested in trading him. I think Alex knows that and understands it's based on our conversations. I'm not worried one bit about the articles, rumors, and I'm not sure where it started coming from, but at the end of the day, Alex is a pillar here. Well, Dana, I can tell you this for sure. You didn't hear from us. We're just hearing the rumors out there that's going around Major League Baseball. But good to hear from the GM that they said that Mr. Bregman is not on the move as of right now in the beginning of the winter meetings. And I, I, won't, I honestly don't see it at all. Um, but, yeah, like you said, this guy's been here for a while. He's been a big part of this Astros ball club, a important pillar to the golden era of Astros baseball. And I just don't see him going anywhere. And the, I think – the contract is just going to ride until the end of the 2024 season and, you know, just go from there. Yeah. And again, if they were to get rid of Bregman, Astros are still in contention to the playoffs World Series. Again, they're, like you said, one game away. And if you were to trade Alex Bregman, you have another void you have to fill in third base because after yeah. that, like, they don't have guys in a farm system that are ready. You know, m- maybe you can make a case for Leon, who's the middle for like, transition but if he was ready he would have been brought, uh, brought up by now because the Astros aren't shy of bringing up guys who are ready just look at Luis Garcia, Skip Triple A um, and there's other guys like that that just fly through you know the minor leagues so I feel like the Astros have a keen eye when the guy's ready you know it doesn't matter where they're at in the minor leagues they, they'll be brought up but if they've been tentative with Leon that tells me he like he's not ready so there's really nobody after that a name to watch out for, and we've talked about it, Bryce Matthews, the guy that the Astros picked up last year in the draft in the first uh, pick. Um, well, not obviously the first overall pick, but he was the first pick for the Astros in the 23 draft. And I, and I college guys usually have an expedited uh, you know, trip to the majors just because they have that experience in college ball as well. So I can see that. Not just that, but I think the kid's versatile too. I mean, he's athletic as hell. And if you remember – the Astros drafted Bregman in 2015. The following year, he was already in the majors. Yeah, so like that expedite, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So like you were saying, that this kid could automatically go like that from this year to be up to the majors. So, and, and then we started a trend this year too. Like there were, like I believe the Angels brought up Ben Joyce, and he had like a few months in the minor leagues after being drafted last. Oh year. yeah. You know, 
I, again, I wouldn't be surprised either because you know it's, it's it's been going around. Like some of these, like some of these college programs are doing a great job of developing these guys to be major mm-hmm. league ready. And I think that's why you've seen that kind of switch of they're dropping a lot more college guys because there used to be a thing is like like in your past, like you want the high schoolers developing like like develop them, but now it's like transitioning yeah. to more like college baseball guys. Yeah, Zach Neto is another guy. Last year, not last, well, yeah, last year in the twenty two draft, he got drafted, and then this year he made his major league debut. The, the, I believe the Angels drafted somebody this year, yeah. and he got brought up this year. I believe so. Like, so, so, yeah, look at that transition, like you were saying, Angel. It could happen. Maybe maybe Bryce Matthews is baseball ready, but time will tell. Time will tell. But last but not least on Dana Brown Talk, it is the thoughts of Mr. Yiner Diaz. Obviously, the guy is now the everyday starter for the Houston Astros behind the plate. Maldonado's gone. Caratini right now is set up as the backup catcher. What does Yiner Diaz have to prove? To me, I don't think he has to prove anything because 20-something home runs, uh, 60-plus RBIs, and just a small sample size. He could have won Rookie of the Year, but it is what it is. But this is what Brown had to say. He said, Yiner has earned the right to be that everyday guy, and I think Yiner proved to us he can handle a staff. Even though he's a young guy, there have been young guys in our game that have come up and be, been able to handle older staffs. Yonder can really handle a staff. And then Chandler Rome had this to say from Joe Espada. Espada said he's talked to Diaz once a week since getting the managerial job. As spring training draws closer, they'll increase communication and preparation for Diaz's first full season as a primary catcher. And Joe, I mean, you got to love hearing this. Joe Espada's already making... I'm telling you, dude, spot of error is going to be exciting. And he's already talking to his young players like Yiner Diaz, for instance. This kid could have been, I think, number three, at least top three in the Rookie of the Year votes. But he had to sit back. Uh, You know, Martin Maldonado was being the primary catcher. Uh, Diaz was just getting – basically, Maldi was the mentor of Diaz and just Diaz picking the brain of the master. Now that he's gone – Brown already said he has full confidence in this guy. And now you have your coach checking on you once a week to see how's everything going. If you've seen his videos, he'll post it on X or even on Instagram. The man is working this offseason. Right. Hitting off a tee, being in the um, in the weight room, th- that's things you love to see. So what do you expect for Yiner Diaz in his first year as the everyday star for the Astros? I expect him to like, – Continue where he left off, I would say. Um, and I say this with confidence because, again, with Joe Spada there, there's no – I have to create this new relationship with this like, new manager. Like, it's already there. And also, if you watch the way he he caught those games towards the end of the season, again, there was almost a no-hitter that Yannir yeah. Diaz caught. With, with that staff that's already been in place, like, like there's really no new guys besides it in uh, – uh, Dylan Coleman and that starting rotation, you're gonna be the same looking guy is there that he you know he already knows has talked to has built this camaraderie with. So I would say either the offensive part, like the offensive off- offensive is not gonna change. I think that pops still there. Maybe he goes into a little like you know it happens to baseball me a step or two, but it's it, like it's gonna be there. But the way he's gonna catch these guys having a year to learn from Martin Monado and a familiar staff with a familiar coach, familiar faces. I think he set up for success on this one. It can be like kind of like Mahomes, Alex Smith, right? He's like 
like mm-hmm. Alex Smith was there for a year, and then they ended up winning a whole championship with with Mahomes after that. So it's just like, I, like, I feel like it's there. Yonder Diaz, three point two WAR, twenty three home runs, two eighty two batting average, sixty RBIs. 846 OPS, OPS plus of 128. The offensive numbers are there. My concern, and I'm not worried, but it is a concern, Justin Verlander. Obviously, the guy's, what, a veteran? Well, he is a veteran, obviously, but 40-something years old. I mean, Cy Young's as well. The guy has everything. And now you're bringing in a young catcher like Yiner Diaz, who is 25 years old. He's very young, but at the same time, too, like Dana Brown said, he has full confidence. I believe even – well, you just said it right now. You have full confidence in him. If them two can click, and even even including Framber Valdez, too, because Framber sometimes gets into his head a lot. If he could get them two good, like going, like no problem, I have no worries, no concerns, nothing like that. So that's when it comes to spring training. It comes to February. It comes to March to really take that series. Then going into the season – you don't have to worry about nothing. So how many how many catches do you think Justin Verlander has pitched to in his, in his career? Hmm. I'll say twelve. All right. It's just we just had another one. You know, like oh, I thought like, you had the number on you. No, I was gonna say just add another one because he's won three Cy yeah. Youngs. Like he's Agreed. been dominant. Like if you can adjust, you know, if you can have that greater career, it's like you do not only have one guy behind the plate catching you. So I think at this point, you know, both of them I'm sure have been talking and they can set up an agreement, but I think it'll be just fine. Yeah. Like I said, I'm not, not bashing on Diaz, not even bashing on the other guys. It's not even too, I'm not even worried. It's just a small concern. You just wonder how they would work together in spring training, how it's going to go. Because if you saw Max Scherzer, how that turned out with the Mets, you're kind of thinking, well, hopefully that shit doesn't, you know, turn out with Verlander how he was with the Mets as well. So, yeah, but the but the Mets problem was something that was that was different because I, I mean, Texas he pitched pretty good. Yeah. So, uh, it it kind of cut off a little bit. You're like you're on mute. I don't know. I, well, we try to fix uh, Zoe's technical difficulties real quick. Let's continue with what the stove is cooking because after these winter meetings, the stove is hot. Zoe, are you back? Yes, I am. Can you hear me now? Yes, I got you now. Not bad. Air, AirPod blew off and then <laughs> took off the mic. So sorry about that, everybody. No worries. No worries. But I was just saying that the stove, you know, we, we said it was warming up, but it's it's almost at the boiling point at this time. But let's start with what has been going on around the league. With starting with the Hall of Fame, what with a Hall of Fame coach heading to Cooperstown, and this is former Pirates, Marlins, and Rockies, and Tigers coach Jim Leenan is headed to the Baseball Hall of Fame by the Contemporary Baseball Era Committee. Three World Series appearances in nineteen ninety seven. 2006 and 2012, 1997, he won the World Champions with the Florida Marlins, and he made it um, in 2012 with Verlander. Scherzer was at Jordan Zimmerman as well in that pitching staff. Cabrera, mm-hmm. you know, a pretty stacked Tigers lineup. 
He was three-time manager of the year in 1990, 1992, 2006, and 18th most wins all time. You know, think about all the coaches there's been around the league, and being 18th, that's that's a pretty remarkable feat as well. Indian, I think it's well-deserved. You know, it's a well-deserved plaque. I wonder, is he going – like, do you think he's going like, – do coaches have hats on their like, – I believe so. I, I think, think so. I want to say. Do you think he'll go as a Marlin or as a Tiger? I think those were as a most, Tiger. Yeah. I think, think so? he he had a huge part of the Tigers organization because the Tigers never made it to the World Series or made it to the playoffs since the '80s, and then Jim Leland got there and then kind of turned that organization around. Went to the World Series. Miguel Cabrera having a huge milestone, being the first uh, Triple Crown winner in a good while. So his Presence in Tigers, you know, at Comerica Park was very huge. So well deserved, like you said. But I think a Tiger hat would be on his head. I agree with you in the impact he had with the Tigers, best Eagles with the Marlins. I think that World Ooh, Series, that, that World Series championship, you know, I think that speaks grand as well. But as Lorenzo was saying, the winner, the winner meetings are here, and they went. And there's been a lot of movement going around the league, starting off with the Brewers. You know, I, I think they're trying to pull the hat of the Braves and even the Diamondbacks where they signed their number two prospect outfitter Jackson Chirino to an eight-year Chirino, sorry, eight-year $82 million contract with a club option of 2032 and 2033, and he's 19 years old. And honestly, when I saw that number 2032, 2033, I was like, man, we're getting old because that's <laughs> like already in the 30s. But, I mean, that's a good setting for oh him because – these young prospects, I feel like when they get paid, have been pretty good. Like, like if you look at Corbin Carroll, Tatis got paid pretty early on as Rodriguez well. Rodriguez as well. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel like it's going to be a common trend, and it kind of like buys out the arbitration year. So by buying out those arbitration years, I feel like you have that pretty good dynamic because you're not going to the arbitrator talking. Like, you know, yeah, he's not hearing the organization talk all this like mm-hmm. bad, you know, about you. So I think you know, pretty good. And Milwaukee, I guess they were a little disappointed to make it to the what they couldn't get by the playoffs because they signed, re-signed Brewers, um, Wade Mighty to a one-year, eight point five million dollar contract as well. So they're making moves out there. I'm sure they're little, like, I'm sure they want to go forward in the postseason. So they are trying to reinforce their rotation and their offense as well. Texas Rangers, you know, World Series mm. champions. Yeah. Signed Kirby Gates to a one-year $4.5 million contract. And I think that's a good signing for them. Like Kirby Gates is still a renowned relief pitcher, still has left in the tank. And I kind of like that. I mean... Now they need bullpen help as well. Yeah. That's what they really need. Yeah. I don't know. Like, do you think that's a good... You know, like, you think the Astros could have matched that or offer a little bit more? Or do, or do you think it was worth it? Mm, I, don't, I, I don't know about worth it. Because Kirby Yates has been fighting injuries for the past two years, ever since he won, I think uh, he had the most saves in, in MLB. Yeah. I think it was with uh, the, either the Padres or I, I want to say so too, either them or the Blue Jays. And after that, he just hasn't been the same. He's been fighting injuries, so it could be a you know, it, it it could benefit the Rangers or it could bite them in the butt later on in the long run. But yeah, I mean it's a, it's a, it's not a bad contract, one year, four point five million. But I think the Astros have you know. They they're they're setting their eyes for someone else, I think. Ooh, okay. For someone else. Let's see who 
that could be. But I don't know. Someone I hoped the Astros could have signed. And, you know, the Astros have seen him, especially in the 2019 World Series. He was part of that Washington National crew. Eric Fed, you know, after not after not having much success in the major leagues with the Nationals, he went to the KBO. He was a 2023 MVP over there. So, mm. you know. Mm. You're setting yourself up for success over here in the majors now. Think about that. When you have guys like Yamamoto coming out and these nasty pitches that come from Japan, by winning it, you know, like, like you know, you know he did something right. So he, he came back to the stage trying to get, uh, get a contract. He got it. Chicago White Sox signed him for two years, $15 million. I don't know. I think he would have looked great for the Astros because, honestly, he has – experience both as a starter and as a relief pitcher. So I think it could have been that mm-hmm. little versatile. But you know, I think two year fifty million dollars, you know, that's a pretty penny as well. So like you said, I think the Astros are trying to save up money for, you know, resigning their guys and maybe setting bringing in somebody as well. The Baltimore Orioles signed Craig Kimbrough on a one year thirty million dollars and the Los Angeles Angels signed Adam Simber to a one year one point sixty five million dollars. And as we speak right now, Eduardo Rodriguez is they're saying he's on the verge of finalizing a deal with the Arizona Diamondbacks as well. Breaking news. Breaking news. Science, sound the alarm right now. Wow. Yeah. Again, nothing has been concerned, confirmed yet, but they their discussions have advanced, you know, to that. Wow. So I never would have thought the Arizona Diamondbacks, honestly. Yeah. That's a I mean, great move for them. Oh, yeah. And I, and I think they're a little salty about, obviously, you would be after losing, you know, the World Series, but... They're looking good again. Like I think they've added some key pieces to that to help them regain and maybe even win the division because again they entered as a wild card team, so maybe even win the division in the NL West. That ro- that rotation is not bad now. Zach Gallen, Merrill Kelly, Eduardo Rodriguez, Brandon Fat. That that rotation is not bad. Oh, it's yeah. not bad. I think they could compete with the Dodgers honestly now. Yeah. If the Dodgers don't have this name we will be talking about later. But we did get some trades going on in winter meetings as well. I think there's a, a few big trades. And let's start with, to me, the biggest on my book. The Yankees acquired Alex Verdugo from the Red Sox for right-handed pitcher Richard Fitz, which is the number 12 Yankees prospect. Right-handed pitcher Greg Weissert, right-handed p- pitcher Nicholas Judas. And he was not and he was not a top Yankees farm system, but it's crazy. Yankees Red Sox trade was a rarity. I know that we see some signings between them, and like I know Johnny Damon played in both, Jacoby Arrowsbury played in both, right? But you know, this is only the sixth trade between the rivals since 1969, and nice. Honestly, I don't think Verdugo looks good without the beard, so I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't look solid. It just doesn't look solid. It looks different. It just looks different. That's going to be very – honestly, for my eyes, it's going to be very hard to see him in a Yankees uniform. You know, I don't like that. I don't like that rule at all. But, you know, this trade really surprised me because Addis Verdugo is a pretty good player. And I think mm-hmm. the Red Sox, you know, he fit right in with the Red Sox. But when we went to the Yankees, that I, I don't know. I feel like Alex Verdugo is going to be a guy that's going to torment you a little bit like when he comes back to Fenway or when the meeting is in Yankee Stadium as well. But – you know, the Yankees like their left-handed hitters, and that's why they're trying to get uh, Juan Soto as well. But another trade that was pretty big, and it, it involved an 
AL West rival in the Mariners. The, the Braves are acquiring Jared Kelenic, left-handed pitcher Marco Gonzalez, who they flipped to the Pirates. Uh, first baseman Evan White from the Mariners for right-handed pitcher Cole Phillips and right-handed pitcher Jackson Cow. Now, who do you think got the advantage of this trade, uh, Mariners or the Braves? It's kind of say to both, but I'd say Mariners. They dumped that nasty contract of Marco Gonzalez, who had signed in twenty twenty. I think I think it was like thirty million a year. Oh, wow. I want to say or something like that. Uh, you do lose Jerry Kelnick, which that one's kind of a little rough, I would say, because he was starting to hit the ball pretty good this whole season. Then he kind of, you know, regressed, and then he kind of started hitting better. And then obviously the injury to his foot kicking, uh, you know, the nice chest. But other than that, I mean. It's a win-win for both. The Mariners dump that's you know dumped his contract, and then the Braves get a good hitter and Jared Kemnick and a good defender. I say so. Uh, I think it's a win-win for both teams. Yeah, and for the most part, you know, I feel like Major League Baseball fans would like a more active winter meetings, but I think you know clubs set themselves up for success. I mean, I feel like those are productive winter meetings for uh, most uh, players, and and the like. There is like. In the winter meetings, there is the Rule 5 draft. I believe the Astros lots, Mark Coste. I know, I think he came up once or twice mm-hmm. um, for the Astros, but other than that, I don't think they lost any big names. I think it was just like about two players that they lost. Yeah. Yeah, so. Uh, Marco Gonzalez, four years, 30 million was his contract. Four years, 30 so, million for Marco yeah, Gonzalez. Yeah, and, and this coming year for the, for the Mariners, they were going to have to owe him 12 million. So, yeah, I can see that. So, yeah, no, it was I, a great move for both. Yeah. And I think the biggest name that most fans want to hear and has been the centerpiece of the offseason is Shohei Otani. Now, I've been seeing a lot of social media posts that, you know, that marketing the Otani trade was, you know, a miss by the Major League Baseball. But even if it is what Otani wanted. Like, mm-hmm. He like he wanted, uh, uh, he wanted to keep things secretive to himself. You know, he didn't want all the attention. And these are some updates that's been going on. So, a clubhouse source says that Shohei Otani couldn't see himself playing in New York. I don't know. Maybe he didn't like the Bronx. You know, maybe he saw a little rat. Bronx too. Yeah. He didn't like something, but maybe it's just a big stage or something like that. He got scared of the pizza rats. <laughs> <laughs> and I will be too. Otani told the clubhouse sources during the season that he liked the Dodgers, the Jays, if he left the Angels. Now, hmm. we did talk about like like I like I like I just did mention um, how Shohei Otani wanted things to be secretive. Well, Dave Roberts kind of split the beans on that one. They said yeah. he. <laughs> they uh, Dave Roberts said he. The Dodgers met with Shohei Otani in LA a couple of days ago and asked that Shohei is their top priority. He also said the Dodgers met with Shohei Otani at Dodgers Stadium a couple of days ago. Robert said the meeting went well. And Otani can make a final announcement where he's heading in the end of this week. So, you know, I feel like once the Shohei Otani trade sets the market, that hostel is going to be boiling through the pot and things are going to get working. I think things are just waiting and seeing what Otani gets before they make their move. But I don't know. It can be a risky situation because maybe you sign a little guy cheaper and then Otani sets his market really high, right? So mm-hmm. hopefully 
to LA County over there, Dave Robertson just cost you Otani by, you know, start like, adding this extra information for sure. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I um the Otani sweepstakes is crazy right now. You got a guy in San Francisco offering free sandwiches, changing his name to Shohei's uh whatever his restaurant's called, and then having him make his own sandwich, signature sandwich. That's how crazy the sweepstakes are for Shohei Otani right now. <laughs> You're getting you got guys putting their restaurant on the line for Shohei Otani. So I, I mean, wonder I wonder how many people are gonna name their kids Shohei if he signs in their hometown. <laughs> there that, that has to be a like a 13 to 1 odd, I I believe. Ah, uh, I can see it. I can see it. I can see it. And then there's part two of this trade sweepstakes, and it has to be a trade because obviously he's not a free agent, he has one year left, and that is Juan Soto. Juan Soto trucks, you know, the way it's looking, it's like he's going to New York. I mean like they couldn't get Otani, but they're working on Juan Soto. It completed. New York will send Michael King, Drew Thorpe, along with additional players that will be going to San Diego. I think I saw I, – I can't remember on top of my head, but there's – oh, sorry. Johnny Brito, Randy Vasquez, and Cal Higgins show. I forgot. Higgy is what they call him over there. Higashioka. 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 I mean, that's a pretty – that's a pretty handful of players for – a year of Juan Soto. So, I mean, they, do you think that Yankees are going to be dumping their farm system? Or do you think they're still in pretty good shape? Uh, I mean, I think they're pretty in good shape. You didn't lose Peraza. You didn't lose Anthony Volpe. You didn't lose your number one guy, Jason Dominguez. You got Alex Verdugo. You'll, if you do get Juan Soto, and then later you'll get Jason Dominguez back from injury, Honestly, that team looks is going to look scary if they stay healthy. If they stay healthy, if they don't stay healthy, then you're you might you might and then plus the division two is pretty hard. Oh yeah, but we got a glimpse of that last year. Yeah, um, but if the trades finalize, everyone stays healthy. I think the Yankees are going to be a division to championship. Range team next postseason. Okay, you heard I it here, it. folks. I mean, you heard it here first. That full steam ahead, but your Shinabu Yamamoto, KBO legend, is ready to come to the major to the major leagues, and the Red Sox are saying that he is their top priority, and could have an advantage because they didn't they sign uh, what's Yoshida, baby Yoshida. There you go. Yeah, so they signed him. He did. Yamamoto did say he wanted to play with other Japanese stars, so that could be an advantage. And maybe that's the reason why they dumped uh, Verdugo, maybe trying to clear some money to make room for Yamamoto as well. But Mets, Yankees, Giants, Cubs, Cardinals, Tigers, Red Sox, Phillies, and Diamondbacks are all linked to Yamamoto. So there's a lot of teams calling, you know, but serious suitors for Yamamoto are, are considered to be the Blue Dates, Dodgers, Met, Giants, Mets. And Yankees and two mystery teams in there. Maybe Astros. I'm not sure. I doubt it. But <laughs> there is two mystery teams in there. We, hey, the Astros had Kaz Matsui, so we we could there put our go. name oh, in there. Don't forget Aoki as well. Oh yeah, the there legend, you, the 2017 go. World Ser- uh, Series champion Nori Aoki. Yes, yeah, so but know. we do have some Japanese ties. There we go. In Houston. Yeah. There you go. True. Sure. 
like I know he's Chinese, but Yao Ming comes in every once in a while too. So you know, maybe you know he, he sees that. But throw our pitch out there. <laughs> but executives are predicting he may cost the signing team as much as three hundred million, including the posting fee. Now, this news is supposed to be. Oh, yeah, I'm also expected to meet with the Yankees in the U.S. on Monday as well. So we'll see how that goes. But you know, things are brewing. Like, these man, these owners are ready to empty out their pockets to make their teams contenders, and you'd like to see it. Then you also have Lucas Jolito. You know, he's he. I mean, he he's good. He's good. He won. Like he's, he got a Cy Young finalist. Yeah, uh, he had an up and down season, but he's drawing interest from the Dodgers, Mets, Red Sox, Diamondbacks, Royals, per John Morosi. and the name that the Astros might want to look at as well is Tyler Glass. Now, right now he. He's linked to the Cubs and Reds are among teams and talks with the Rays about him. And Cubs are also could also could I think have offered or could offer Christopher Morel as part of a deal for Tyler Glass now as well. Hmm. Interesting. And last but not least, again I did tell you that the Rule Five draft happens in winter meetings. Well, there was the MLB draft rankings of how it was going to go and something different that happened is a MLB draft lottery they got the book from the NBA lottery you know just to stop teams from tanking because if it was like the old system like the way it is in football and baseball the athletics would have the first pick and the Royals right but it's kind of keeps teams a little bit more competitive with the lottery so the first round pick of this year's 2024 MLB draft is and other than the Cleveland Guardians. Wow. Cleveland Guardians. The A's ended up with the fourth pick <laughs> of the draft. Fourth pick. I feel bad for A's fans, honestly, man. You, you got to feel bad for them. That their, their team's moving and relocating from Oakland, and now they can't even get the number one pick because they didn't do too well this year. You, you got to feel for Oakland. You have to. And this is just how unlucky the Athletics are because they had the highest chance to get the number one pick. The Coins only had 2% chance to get the number one pick. And then it's their first time picking first in franchise history as well. So unlucky unlucky A's, lucky Guardians that are going to be drafting first overall. You have to feel for the A's fans. Yeah. You just have to. Definitely. I mean, can't get nothing going at, on their side of the ball at any point. Losing the football team, losing the baseball team. Can't even get a number one pick. You know what's crazy about this lottery, though? That the Rays got a higher, like a lower draft pick than the Yankees and uh, I believe another team as well. So like, it's crazy. Spicy. And just think about the Victor Wimbiama sweepstakes for that. So yeah. that when Houston was had, like, I think the number one or number two losing record in the, you know, in the NBA rankings last year and they got, I believe, third, third, yeah, third pick. So, yeah, the things you don't like to see is just something like that, for example. But that is end of our show. Um, obviously, I don't even have to say anything from follow us at these platforms. But hey, you got it right there on the ticker. If you haven't looked and see where you can follow us, it's right there. Obviously, we do have it on the top right hand corner: Twitter, X, TikTok. YouTube, Instagram, Threads, and then, of course, our podcast platforms as well. So maybe the Astros do something at the end of the day, adding more, or this could be the Astros' off-season plans. So we'll have to see. Until then, Andrew, you have anything else? No, thank you for listening. I know we kept you here for an hour. Hopefully you stay to the end.
Yep. Like I said, brand new ticker. We'll have something brand new later for the following year. So be ready. Get ready. And y'all have a safe week. And we'll talk to y'all later. Peace.